Hi everyone and welcome to SAMA, a program which invites an expert each week to discuss a topic near your expertise. And this week we are delighted to have Liz Joseph back to tell us the secrets to lasting weight loss. <laughs> Isn't that going to be a good one? Liz is a health and wellness and weight loss expert with over 16 years of experience in the industry. Liz is likely best known for her hands-on involvement helping Oscar-winning actress and musician Jennifer Hudson lose weight and transform her life. Liz counsels both high-profile talent and everyday clients in all areas of weight loss, balance and nutrition. Liz's work today centres on advising and consulting for companies at the, at the cutting edge of weight loss, wellness and emerging health solutions. Liz, it's so fantastic to have you with us. Thank you. Very happy to be here. Now, people find it often reasonably easy to lose weight, they set a target and they may or may not reach it, but at least they generally lose weight. But the hardest, hardest thing is maintaining that weight loss. It's practically impossible. And maybe today you can tell us how to make it possible. Absolutely. And I, I personally actually lost 65 pounds myself. Good gracious. And I'm keeping those off now for about 10 years. Yes. So uh, I think that's one of my um, one of the reasons people enjoy uh, my perspective is I'm one of the few out there who really are not just uh, walking the walk and talking the talk. So <laughs> that's, that's quite a large weight gain, sixty five. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. Yes, and I struggled with my weight my whole life, really, from the time I was about twelve or yeah, between twelve and fourteen. It really started to come on, and then I struggled all the way uh, into my late 30s um, and now have been maintaining this weight loss. Great. Um, what got you interested in the topic of weight loss? Was it from your own um, weight loss? It was. It really was... Um, this, you know, kind of a lifelong pursuit. Uh, I was a professional actress uh, before I, I got interested in weight loss. Um, okay. And I think being a professional actress, I was a Broadway singer and actress um, and have a master's degree in opera. So I was always under scrutiny. And uh, it, I was in a lot of not just um, was it sort of embarrassing, but it, I couldn't land the jobs that I wanted without, you know, extreme weight loss. And it was physically and emotionally painful for me. Yes. And it became sort of my life's work to not only my own, um, what is what my proclivities were, but could I, um, if I studied hard enough, could I help people actually, um, escape their own pain emotionally and physically um so fantastic and so you lost your weight and then you thought well i've got a i've got it worked for me mm -hmm. i'll make it work for other people did you develop yeah. a system from there Yes, yes. So I, um, after kind of moving out of the acting world, I started working for Weight Watchers and I was there for 11 years. Uh, and I was working on every level of the company. So I was in the science team developing weight loss programs. I was a spokesperson for them on national television. I was writing books for them. 
uh, under their brand, um, you know, attributes. And I was learning all the while. Uh, I left there and started my own business and have been consulting all over the world in any weight loss company I could get my hands on. Um, really working in, you know, weight loss devices, weight loss programs, gyms. I went back to school and became a personal trainer. I got a nutrition exercise um, specialty as well so that I could really understand um, sort of weight loss from a, a 360 degree view where I was seeing in the weight loss industry that most people were looking at it in a very one dimensional, let's just look at food kind of a view. Yes. And I realized that you couldn't really you couldn't sustain weight loss. You couldn't maintain weight loss. And I was, I was living proof of it. I lost 30 pounds about five different times. You couldn't maintain weight loss if you didn't start to make a, a little bit more of a holistic uh, view on what the process of, of taking care of yourself as just a, as a human, right? I always say as an elemental human who needs the right kind of food, water, movement, exercise, stress relief, and sleep. So I was really um, fascinated by expanding everyone's view. I really hope to expand people's view on what it means to lose weight so that it's not just, oh, I'm going to go on X, Y, or Z food plan, right? I'm not just going to go do Weight Watchers or keto or this, that, or the other and forget about all these other pieces of the puzzle but I'm going to really expand that view and look at this as a holistic process. Wow. If we stopped everyone on the, you know, people on the street and asked them, would you like to lose some weight? Yeah. I'd say there'd be, you'd be guaranteed virtually a hundred percent. Yes. Response rate. Virtually yes. everyone today, they're not happy with their body size, shape, and they want to lose a few pounds. Why is it so hard now? And is it harder than before? before being L. Yes, yes, very much, uh, very much harder uh, now to lose weight um, than it was. We have so many environmental factors going on at this point than, than we did even just 10 years ago versus even 20 or 50 years ago. Um, the, 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 just a few of the reasons that it is so hard to lose weight at this point. And, and I work with, you know, I work with I, I do run groups, I have private clients, I write books, I consult for companies. And basically the environment that we live in is, based, is, is just completely anti-weight loss at this point. Not only is there a complete rapid availability of very high calorie, very satisfying foods, we also are sedentary all of the time. We have a very high stress environment that we live in most of the time, um, even down to just the lighting in most of our homes and, and, and where we work, creating a low level stress um, environment for people, which is creating greater hunger and hormonal shifts. Um, it really is a tough um, environment to deal with. So I think understanding that as well and saying, oh, okay, there's nothing wrong with me. Sort of my tagline is you're not broken, right? There's nothing wrong with you. Um, but understanding that we as human animals have not really evolved as quickly as our environment has. So what we know now and, and what a lot of the marketers know is that 
anytime you see food, smell food, or talk about food, you are actually triggered to eat food. So we're being triggered all the time. And in, you know, uh, if you look around your environment now, even somewhere like a, you know, a large, a big box store, like a Best Buy, where you're supposed to be buying electronics, when you get to a checkout, they're actually selling food there now because they know, they know that you cannot say no to the food. We are triggered to eat food every time we see it. So it's, it's a very, very scary environment that we live in, right? If you go to Target now, it's a grocery store and Target, right? If you go to Old Navy to buy clothing, there's food at the checkout. They know that they can make more money off you because you will not be able to. As a human animal, we are triggered when we see that food and we're triggered to eat it. And we don't remember that we ate it and it doesn't fill us up. It only triggers us to eat more food. So these high sugar, high fat, high salt foods make us just eat more food. High sugar, salt, and fat. So you're talking about the, the, uh, the lollies, the chips, yeah. and the other yeah. uh, goodness items yeah. that are presented for <laughs> consumption yeah. at the counter. The things that have, yeah. the, the foods which have been made to last an awful long time in packets, so they don't need to, they don't spoil. And yeah, so this is what we are fighting against, I guess. But um, there's also a group of society people who come up with uh, quick fixes. So you've got one people that are wanting, you know, they're making you gain weight, and other people trying to make you lose weight. And and a lot of the, um, I mean, the, the the choices which are available now are phenomenal. The choices, if someone wants to lose weight, you, you imagine if you type in on internet, on Google, lose weight. <laughs> how, many, how many different solutions you'll find? This, I mean, there are, there are diets that where you just eat cookies. I mean, there are cookie diets, right? Wow. I mean, the, the, options, the, the options are endless. Yes. And the, the industry itself really um, preys on uh, desperation and fear. So there's a lot of, you know, people really looking around saying like, oh, what's that sort of thing that's going to work for me, yes. right? What is that? How am I going to, to, to put this thing on and finally be free of, of this? Yes. And what happens for most people is they put on somebody else's diet, right? Let's just mm -hmm. use, um, you know, a, a, a ketogenic diet just because it's quite trendy right now. Um, they, they say, oh, I, I, I'm going to use this ketogenic diet. This is working for people. It's going to work for me. Even if they don't like the foods that they're eating, don't feel good on the diet, don't, but they're going to, they're going to try it because it's really kind of what everybody's doing. And there's not a lot of, in the industry itself, um, it's a lot of like throwing out a solution at someone without really sharing my perspective is if you don't figure out what works for you and sort of create your own program, you're doomed to let go of it at some point because it's not yours. It doesn't really fit, right? Mm -hmm. you, it's, it's going to be something that you eventually move back. And, and everything that I've learned over time from just my own experience and the experience of helping people is that our habits are at the base of our eating patterns. So we know now that over 50% of what we do in a day is habit. 
right? And our habits are driving 50% of our food decisions. So if our habits are poor, and a, and a habit could be anything from, um, you know, uh, waiting until you're overly hungry to go downstairs to the cafeteria to get something to eat, thinking, oh, I'll, go, I'll get there and I'll have a salad. Once you're overly hungry, all bets are off, right? So waiting just a little too long to eat or you know, waking up too late to um, make your breakfast in the morning, right? Waking up too late, running out the door without breakfast, yes. promising yourself that you'll just get coffee at the, at, the, at the cart outside of the office, but every morning now you're hungry, so you get the coffee and the donut and it becomes a habitual pattern. And it's not that you don't know that that that, that donut is the problem, like that, that the donut isn't good for you. You know it. You know that an apple would be a better choice. But the being late in the morning is really the root of the cause of what's happening for you. So kind of beginning to unravel habits and patterns and how habits are born and examining where you could make some small shifts that would impact you so greatly. And that's really more where I've spent um, the, uh, the majority of my time is really looking in on, on how to create and help people form better habits. If people are adopting diets which don't suit them, are there dangers as well as just gaining weight? Maybe the, yeah. maybe the body can't, can't process certain food types. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, some of these things are dangerous. Um, they're not meant for us, just everyday people to be doing them. Um, and I think what we're learning now and what we're going to, we're, we're really going to know a lot more in about 10 years, right, is that our DNA, all of us are very different, right? Like some people are really drawn towards protein and they need more protein than one person, whereas another person is really a fat, you know, some people want to be vegetarian because they feel so much better. I think we're going to find out that we all kind of descend from different DNA and we are mm -hmm. supposed to be eating differently and not slapping on like the ketogenic diet, which can be quite dangerous if you follow it, um, you know, in, in the way that's intended, which is quite extreme. I don't think most people in the mainstream are doing it the way that it was intended because it's very trendy, but it, you know, these diets can be these very low calorie diets, um, these fasting diets. They're not, you know, they're, they're not meant for all people, but I always encourage in, in my book, I encourage people to try on, um, Things like intermittent fasting is another big one right now where everyone's like, oh, you know, I'm going to do this thing because I saw my neighbor is, is really doing well with it. And um, I always say like, well, try it on. And if mm -hmm. you, you know, really are uncomfortable by, you know, 10 a.m. in the morning, don't just hold on by your fingernails till 12 and say, but I, I've got to do this. You just may not be your blood sugar levels and your, your body type may not be set up for this. So I'm asking you to honor yourself a little bit more. Our industry is all about giving away your power in the weight loss industry. It's about, oh, oh, that over there, that, that thing over there, that shiny thing, I'm going to go over there and grab that without really ever 
examining like what I'm doing. And because I'm, I, again, built on desperation and fear, my approach is all about having you test out, try out things and expand, as I say, expand your, expand your view of weight loss from just being about food to a holistic kind of uh, process of hydration and moving your body, um, exercising your body, uh, reducing stress, increasing sleep, and really kind of face each one of those as just as important as food. I think people always are like, oh, it's just all about the food. It's really not. You know, I, I say to people, if you, if you don't learn for me how to, if, you know, most of my um, clients are stress eaters, you know, they, they don't realize it, but over time they've built a habit of each time they're stressed, they turn to food, the readily available food too, right? They go to the vending <laughs> after the boss yells at them because there's readily available food that then releases serotonin and makes them feel better. So it's very smart. What they're doing is very smart. Um, you know, in, in a sense, they are medicating on some level. But if we don't actually learn that there are lots and lots of other ways in which we could deal with our stress and anxiety and start to change our habits, then when we finally get tired of eating that high fat diet or that low fat diet and a stressful thing happens, you're not going to have the tools to stave off gaining that weight back. So it's mm -hmm. really important to kind of take this out of just the realm of food. Many fat diets have come and gone. I was mentioning this a little bit earlier about the cabbage sandwich. The, 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 <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you the, the thing, the story now. Um, it was it was a Weight Watchers points system, and the cabbage sandwich was a massive sandwich, one inch or thicker cabbage, and it was supposed to have a negative calorie. Sure. <laughs> the body would use more energy trying to get the big sod, the brick through your system than to extract any sort of um, calorific content from it. Uh, but the, the sad thing is there's a there's an ingredient in cabbage which suppresses the thyroid. Mm -hmm. And because virtually all the food that's been consumed by this woman was this cabbage sandwich, um, eventually she had to have her thyroid removed. Mm -hmm. Now this, this leads me to this question which I'd like to ask you. Uh, we did... Uh, are there diets out there that can cause real harm like this? Yes. I mean, definitely, um, you know, anything taken to an extreme. And that's what I think, um, again, like, you know, the calorie counting on its face seems like harmless enough. But what it can create are these sort of obsessive counting and and finagling. I think that that cabbage sandwich to me is the perfect example of who I was um, and who what I see of most of my clients, which is this always trying to cheat the system, always trying to say, well, okay, I'm going to eat cabbage sandwiches all day because there's zero points. And then I'm going to have two, two candy bars for dinner. And, and what I see is this, because of all of these diet systems, and instead of looking at behavior and habits and your attitude towards food and your relationship with food, um, 
we have really, really strange thoughts about food now. And these can really set up a lifetime of, I had a lifetime of difficulty. Like that's what, why I have such a strong opinion and, and I'm so passionate about this is, you know, you, you, when you continuously look at food as something that you're trying to get over on, it creates unhealthy patterns. And those unhealthy patterns can go to extremes in any situation, right? So you can then begin to cut calories and cut calories and cut calories. You can over-exercise into a place where it's dangerous. You can over, you can definitely keto, you know, we're, we're going to see the massive population doing uh, a form of keto may just really not be good for the every human's liver at this point. So, you know, there's a lot of stress and, uh, you know, and danger to getting, you know, just really outside of the box with, with normal eating. And so I think I'm, I'm always trying to caution people and say, you know, what would, if, 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 in your mind, what would a healthy behavior around food look like? It wouldn't look like eating on the train while you're going to work. It would look like actually sitting down and, and, and being mindful about what you were eating. It would look like, um, you know, actually doing some food preparation. It would, it would look like, um, taking in fruits and vegetables, which were very much meant to eat as, as, as a human animal. And it really trying to kind of rail, rein people back in uh, to a very moderate, uh, my program is so moderate. It's all about returning you to a normal relationship with food. And what I find really hard, you know, I lead these groups and I find it really, really difficult for people to pull back from the diet mentality. It's really hard for them to, to trust themselves, to love themselves, to be able to make a mistake and right the ship. Whereas, you know, before they had to live in this teeny tiny box of a certain list of foods or a certain food group. And if they went out of it, they were a failure, right? And that fills them with so much guilt and shame. And what's interesting is that now we know that feeling guilt and shame when we look at the brain under an MRI scan, it actually highlights the reward system in the brain. So all of this guilt and shame that we've created around food choices, I'm trying to kind of pull that back for people and, and retrain them and, 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 and tell them sort of the secrets of the brain science that we're learning about how food affects the brain, the, the chemicals that are, are, are secreted from some of these foods that are processed are, it, it really resembles any drug that you would take, you know, when you're eating some of these foods. So understanding that I, I'm, yes, some of these diets can be very dangerous. Like you said, the cabbage, the cabbage sandwich, <laughs> you know, little did she know that she was completely, um, you know, deadening her thyroid and would have to have it removed. But that's such an abnormal relationship with food to be eating cabbage sandwiches, right? Like, mm -hmm. right. So I think it's for me, it's always about when it gets out of balance and when we, when we can't even see that we're playing so many games and, and not fueling this, this body, this amazing body that, that is, I, I say to all my clients, it's the one thing that's with you from birth until death. So 
we've got to really think about the partnership of spirit, you know, you, you being this being in this body that taking care of it and being loving and kind and thoughtful to this kind of really important and uh, amazing uh, body that we each are privileged to have. Why is it some people can get away with eating anything and they still look thin? They're terrible, <laughs> terrible people because you look at them and you feel so inadequate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and we are all different. Again, I'm going to say like, you know, I, I use the example of, you know, we are, you know, each of us is extremely different, right? Even mm -hmm. just looking at from a male to a female, you, you know, our muscle base as a female is so much lower. Muscle burns calories at rest. We are smaller beings. We're more body fat. We cannot take in the same amount of food or the same amount of alcohol as a man. It's never going to be. Men are always going to lose weight faster than us because they uh -huh. do have a lean muscle base that we do not, that, that is much better than ours. So it's really, again, I'm going to go back to this idea that, you know, our DNA, where we did, you know, we, we can usually kind of look back and say, oh, grandpa, he could eat whatever he wanted to, you know, like, <laughs> oh, so like I have two sons, right? My side of the family, we've all struggled um, on, on, on my side. And then my husband's side, oh, they couldn't gain weight if they tried. And I have one <laughs> son, you know, like a little bit more like me. And I have one son that's just like eats anything he wants. So there yes. is a part of this that's that's DNA based yes. and you can't compare yourself to them. You can't feel badly about it. It would be like comparing yourself to a zebra. And you know, like like we're just not even in the same category. Um, you know, and 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 some people can and do get away with it. Um, but I always say to everyone, you know, to each his own, uh, we gotta figure out what's right for you, right? That's why I sort of built this program as what I say, almost like a house, right? It's like, I gave you the frame of the house, but I want you to move the furniture in and move it around and really figure out, are you a breakfast person? Okay, maybe, maybe you can't get to 10 o'clock without shaking. I personally, oh, gosh, when I d did away with breakfast, I started feeling so much better. I have a lot more energy, and I don't eat my first meal until about noon. But I have clients who, if they did that, they would be a mess. So we have to start to honor what works for you and design your program. So I, I created all of these worksheets. And, um, and this is just out of watching thousands of people and coaching thousands of people and saying, okay, you know, you might want to be doing X, Y, or Z and, and trying on, I always say it's like trying on a hat, try the hat on. Do you like not eating breakfast? No, it feels terrible. Okay. Throw it away. Let's eat breakfast. Now we know you're a breakfast eater. Okay. Now let's think about, do you bring lunch or do you buy lunch? You know, we go through every detail of your day, what your work life looks like, what your family life looks like. And we go in and we systematically create uh, the right eating system for you. All right. So no one, one method suits all. No. When, um, when you wish to lose weight, is it important to weigh yourself very often? 
You know, I love to encourage people to weigh themselves a lot, you know, almost every day. I would say I weigh myself almost every day. And this is for a couple of reasons. Um, first, of, first off, the scale has horrible connotations for most people that I work with, right? And the only time that they're usually getting on it is when they have a doctor's appointment. Uh-huh. And that might be once a year. That might be less than once a year. And honestly, the scale to me, I try to train people to get on it because it's a wonderful tool. It's a tool that helps you to understand what's happening and helps you to understand the natural fluctuations of your body and to help you to know what is working and what isn't working. And so I try to remove all the emotion from it. Like when I'm working with people, I really try to tell them, listen, this is a science project, right? Basically, this is a science project with a lot of emotional stuff laid on top from years and years and years of, of you know, baggage. And I try to take all the emotion out of this process and say, okay, this thing is a tool. Your clothing is a tool. Your, the compliments you get are a tool. How you feel is a tool. You've got to be looking at everything. I feel like the scale for me is, you know, I can't pretend that I'm gaining weight if I step on the scale. I can't pretend I'm, ga- I can't not pretend it, right? I can't check out and act as if you know, and I have my own natural times of the year where I gain about five pounds at the end of December with all the holidays and a little bit more drinking and a few more cookies and a little bit less exercise. And I weigh myself. So like last year, I weighed myself, uh, I, I challenged myself to weigh in 27 of 31 days in December so that I would really, I would really learn what it looked like to actually gain weight. And what I learned by watching the process, because, you know, it, I still had the parties and I still had the alcohol and I still had the cookies and I still had the weight gain. But what I learned by getting on that scale was number one, it's not the end of the world. And weight gain happens just like weight loss. It doesn't happen overnight. It happened a little by little. One day it would be up by half a pound and then it would come back down by a quarter of a pound. And then it's up about a whole pound and then it comes back down by three quarters of a pound. And it looks like a little jagged graph that's going up over the month of December. So most people, if they check out, they don't have to see it. They don't have to, they don't have to confront it. They, don't, they can kind of just you know, move into the larger size that they have at the back of the closet and then check out. By getting on the scale every day, you learn about your body, you learn about your emotional responses, you learn about what's working and what's not working, and you get to see um, just the natural way in which the body loses weight, and it loses weight the same way, jagged little line that comes down over time. But you know, you can do everything right. This is what I need people to learn. You can do everything right for three days and have it go up two pounds, right? The body is a very, very, um, there are many factors that affect the body and your weight on the scale. So if you saw that weight gain and that made you feel terrible, and you decide, I did everything right, and I went up, now I quit. So then there's no way you're gonna lose weight.
because you're throwing in the towel because you don't understand that that was a natural body fluctuation based on, you know, um, you know, what, for whatever you had more sodium last night than you did for the last couple of days and you're seeing a false positive. But if you would have waited till the next day, it's actually down those two pounds plus more. So learning how the body goes is it's critical. It's critical. It's, it's, it's sort of like getting under the hood of a car. Uh, the, um, are there any foods that you must absolutely avoid? Like we, you and I both know, Liz, that chocolate is a good food. But are there any, but are there any which, which you must not under any circumstance consume? Any you know, types, for example. I'm sorry? Like certain types of fats perhaps are more aggressive for adding on. Yes. Yes, any kind of hydrogenated oils and fats, saturated fats in excess, um, you want to stay away from. Um, I think really for me, it's all about moving away from packaged foods, right? Anything that can sit on a shelf for two and a half years and still be on food, right? It's just... I guess, and I have a few like really simple rules that I live by. If I can't read what is on that package, then I shouldn't be eating it, right? If it has 13 letters and a number uh, in one of the ingredients, like I shouldn't be eating it because I don't even know what it is. Would I take a pill that somebody handed me and was like, this is xylothanthamine 13? I'd be like, oh, yummy. Oh, thank you. No, I wouldn't eat that. And those processed foods are, you know, quite often highly inflammatory for us, which are causing disease and really very dangerous. So um, I was actually, I was with a private client today and she has been doing really well and really kind of returning to this more natural relationship with food and really eating a lot of whole foods. And there's a kind of a trendy diet going on right now called the, um, it's like a fiber diet and you eat all this extra fiber in these fake either pancakes that you can make with this fiber powder or these bars that you can buy at their centers. And I said, she said, Oh, you know, I've stopped losing weight. I gained two and a half pounds this week and I don't know what's going on. And I said, well, did you introduce anything? And she said, well, sure enough, she had heard about her friends that were all on this diet and they are really loving it. And they gave her some of these bars and but they're only 180 calories, she says. I said, can you go get one for me? And uh, I said, so let's just turn it over. And at the same time, let me pull up um, the nutrition label of a Snickers bar on my phone. And we turn it over and not only is it about exactly the same nutritional value as a Snickers bar, uh, it also has, I said, could you just read me the ingredients in this bar? And, uh, she said, okay. And the first ingredient was, um, gosh, I don't even remember the exact wording of it, but it was like corn extracted corn fiber. And, and, and I was like, I've, I've honestly never heard of that. Like, I guess they took corn kernels and extracted the fiber, dried it out put it in this bar, added a whole bunch of unnatural flavors to it. And, and, and you're asking, and you're going, Oh my goodness, why did I stop losing weight? 
now you're basically eating a candy bar. She was eating one a day because there's only this many calories and it's only this and it's only that. I was like, you, you could have had a Snickers bar every day and you would have honored that. You would have been like, wow, I had a candy bar today. I guess I'm not losing weight tomorrow. That makes sense. But when you get these foods that have these health halos over them and people believe it's somehow free and it's somehow good for them, it's a very dangerous place, right? Yeah. I, I always say I've got people that I say like, okay, they'll say like, oh, well, I'm just going to be good. I'm going to go get frozen yogurt. Well, here in the States, frozen yogurt, you get a bucket. They give you like a bucket, like it's like a huge bucket. And then you get to control the lever um, yourself and you get to pour the, the, the yogurt, frozen yogurt into a bucket. And of course you're going to fill it up, right? <laughs> and then you get to add all of these toppings onto it. And I always say to people, I'm like, no, I don't want you to buy frozen yogurt because it has a health halo over it and it's filled with chemicals. I'd much rather you go down to the ice cream store and eat a, a scoop of ice cream because you'll be like, oh my God, I had a scoop of ice cream. I better like kind of have a salad after that. You know, you give it the, not only does your body know what to do with the ice cream, cause it's like milk and cream, you know, sugar. Your body's like, I understand these things. It doesn't understand all these chemicals coming in from the frozen yogurt, yes. but not only does it understand it, but you understand it as a treat, as something that is to be revered, to be had every once in a while. All these other foods are turning into these things that people think they can, again, get away with. Yes. Right. So I didn't even realize that a Snickers bar is so healthy. <laughs> it is what you say, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In my dreams. <laughs> um, Carmen's got a, um, she's come up with a very good question. She's asked, how much of an effect does GMO food have over the body? after long-term use, uh, does, yes. it, does it produce any side effects, if you like? Yes, I, I would say, I mean, I think we're all, all, we're kind of learning a little bit about that as we go. Um, you know, this is something that we're all looking in on, but yes, it's the, we believe it is, um, not only is it weakening insulin response long-term, um, but mm. kind of weakening cellular walls and, um, and, and really creating some very long-term heart damage um, and, and, and capillary damage that we're just, we're kind of at the beginning of understanding. Um, and I think really thinking through, um, you know, getting away from those GMO foods, again, really, doing just a little bit of, of research. Um, you know, for us here, corn is basically a toxic food almost, you know, there's been so much genetic modification to corn. Again, that's why it's so funny that it was in that candy bar. Um, in the, you know, the corn fiber yeah. is of course they're using corn fiber, you know, to, to make this thing. Um, I think, you know, the long-term effects we're just kind of starting to understand um, and I think more importantly than, than that is the immediate effect of the inflammation that they cause, which is we now know just one of those main drivers of cancer and, 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 and true long-term, um, you know, brain decline and, um, 
you know, in the, in the immediate term, we could say, oh, you know, there's brain fog and there's, you know, I'm not feeling my best. And when I pull those out, I've a lot of clarity. That is the inflammation that you are feeling when you're eating these foods, these genetically modified foods. So I would say, yeah. That's very, very scary. Part of this human experiment. Okay. A few questions are coming through on Facebook from our um, live stream. Uh, this is from Lane Eubank. Uh, Lane asks, in the world of super trendy, uh, super trendy diets, how do you suggest a person find the diet that does fit their body? Yeah. So I, I would hope maybe you will get my book, Target 100. Um, <laughs> it's a, kind of a guide to just that. Um, and I would hope if you hear nothing else from me tonight is that you would not ever blindly follow a diet, not, not mine. And mine isn't a diet. Mine is really a handbook for helping you to understand how to create your own diet in, in the long run. Um, I would say um, pieces of things are going to work for you. I would say the, the, the image that I often use is I want you to kind of imagine that you have a backpack on and you're going to walk around and you're going to try, you know, I've tried the ketogenic diet and I realized that I love eggs and that dairy doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know, for, for a lot of people, dairy is, is an issue and they can't have it. I'm fine with it. It does nothing. I'm good. So I learned a bunch by trying keto, but I didn't try it with it being the be all end all of my life and that I was, it was the Holy grail and I was going to stay on keto for the rest of my life. I pick up pieces. I put them in my backpack and I walk on and I try another thing. I listen, I, I collect and I don't turn my power over, but instead I figure out what works for me. Right. Right. Another question. This one's from um, Kareen Johnson. Uh, Kareen asks, how do you, and this is a question that a lot of people would like to know the answer to, how do you overcome hating exercising? Mm. Um, in the beginning, you do it out, out of necessity, but the strong feeling of disliking it <laughs> makes you stop. I mean, yeah, it's pretty much everyone, isn't it? So how do you overcome that? Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there, there are so many um, pieces of, of an answer that I want to give on this. Um, I, I, I coach people through this. I think exercise for me, I, first of all, I'll, I'll be very clear in my book, I separate movement from exercise Right. So movement in my view is your everyday walking, um, emptying the dishwasher, um, you know, doing the things that we have to do as humans, you know, just just moving in our daily lives. Exercise for me is that what I think you're talking about, which is that stressing of the cardiovascular system, the building of muscle, um, that, that, and a lot of people really don't like the feeling of exercise, especially now because we never move, we never exert ourselves. Right. So we have become quite, um, it's quite uncomfortable. Um, I, I would say that the exercise chapter in my book is, so I've, 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 put all of these, um, these ideas into pillars, right? So exercise is a pillar. And I think probably the most surprising chapter in my book is the exercise chapter. Um, because I don't believe like I, 
the piece of I ask people to exercise because I think exercise is the most amazing sort of more learning how to overcome and sit in discomfort. It's not comfortable to feel your heart rate rise. It's not comfortable or fun to get sweaty. It's not easy to get up out of bed in the morning and schedule this thing in. Um, sure, you know, we could go off and say, oh, but it's so important. And it is. You need to build lean muscle. You need to have a strong core so that, you know, I have two, two young sons. I want to be doing, I want to be hiking with them. I want to be strong enough. So I, but I ask people to, exercise to learn how to push through the urge to quit. So it's almost a practice ground, right? So if you think about it in a new way, if you think about it, not as, Oh, I'm here to burn a certain number of calories. First of all, you can't eat them back. Don't even think about it. Right. Okay. You can't, we're too sedentary at this point. Take your exercise as building lean muscle and trying to have a stronger body so that you can not be injured and you can have a healthier life and use it as this training ground for all the moments in your day where you're going to have urges, right? Urges come on like a wave. And during your exercise, at least once in every exercise session, I have an urge to either not do it or to quit it at some point during that exercise session. What I've learned so well by continuously doing it, by repeatedly doing it, is how to navigate an urge. And so when later in the day I have an urge to eat, you know, something off my son's plate or something I wasn't planning on eating, I know how to navigate urges to to overcome them. So I use exercise as a training ground more than as a... um, you know, kind of, uh, uh, oh, hey, I'm going to exercise 30 minutes so I can eat more. I think that's a really big issue as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, my exercise requirement in the book is really just 100 minutes per week. Um, and so that's a really reasonable um, and doable kind of thing to be building back some lean muscle in 100 minutes a week. Um, I also feel very strongly about exercise I think it it has to be something that you like. And, you know, I have people that we've discovered they love to dance. And I have a woman who now is like dancing six nights a week. She's like, I never even imagined that this could be exercise. Or some people love tennis or just Mm. something that gets your heart rate up. But please don't do things you don't like or that you think you should do, but instead, find out what it is that you like and use it and see it in a new way. That's fantastic advice. I discovered cycling. I, I was thinking, when am I next able to go on for a ride? Um, Lane, you being asked a question, have you ever heard of or used emotional freedom technique, tapping? I, I, I have not happen? used it personally. Um, so I, I would definitely say I am not an expert, um, but I have a lot of people that have used it and find it to be really uh, excellent. Um, a huge component of my book is, is, is emotions. Yeah. Uh, and I, one of probably my top, uh, I've written lots and lots of, of, of articles and, and a whole chapter in the book on, you know, emotional eating and stress. Mm-hmm. 
mm -hmm. um, and, and stress relief and meditation. So I'd say my expertise lies much more in stress relief and meditation, but I would put, mm -hmm. I would put the tapping in that same space okay. for myself because what I've learned is that people are, are living at such a fast pace that they don't take the moment or the time even to just breathe before they eat or to deep breathe for one moment before. And what I think that I see from the clients that are doing it and are loving it is that it's almost giving them that moment to stop the madness that's going on at all times, the checking of Facebook, the turning of the TV, the scary news, the frightening new developments with, you know, we were talking about the weather earlier, yes. you know, like yes. all of this input that's going on. And what I think it does do is connect you, like I was talking about before, connect you to this beautiful body, this being that you are, and it reminds you that you are, present it puts you in the present whereas mm -hmm. i think most of us our habit is to eat mindlessly to eat without even being there if you've ever eaten a meal and then said you know oh did i have dinner you you know it's like driving your car you know and getting somewhere and not knowing how you got there yes it's really how people are living these days. So I think it's, it can be a really, again, for me, I, I call myself like I'm totally diet agnostic, right? If, if the tapping works for you, do it. If the Weight Watchers point system works for you, do it. If you know what I mean? Like whatever, and then use this lever and you're, but you're a Weight Watchers points counter and you're a vegetarian <laughs> dancer who, you know, sleep seven hours versus eight hours and you, do you know tapping versus meditation but find out right really work towards and then know and, and i can say this because i'm a student at, at the same time that you know i'm 48 now and things have changed again and i have to i've re kind of recommitted to weight training recently because i feel like as i'm aging my my atrophy is going faster i'm doing some kickboxing and i'm running and I'm, and I'm exercising a little more than I did, and I have to eat a little less. And I figured this little equation out by testing, by playing, by not being beholden to one idea that had to fit and had to save me and be my freedom. But instead, I'm in charge. This is my body. I know best. Um, so, you know, really play, play around. Right, right. James Lee, also from Facebook, asks, do you incorporate a detox strategy in your weight loss plans? You know, I, I definitely, um, I talk a lot about detox, especially because when somebody's coming in uh, to begin to think about reducing their intake of sugar and alcohol, um, you know, I'm finding just, you know, in a general everyday sense, I get to see a lot of food trackers. I get to speak one-on-one -on -one to a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And people are really, really overeating and over drinking at this point and, 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 and having lots of sugars and things. So I always talk about the fact that it's going to take, once you start to really kind of clean up that eating, even in a mild sense, even if you just say, you know, I am going to stop having a cookie every afternoon and two drinks at night, and I'm going to kind of clean up what I'm doing. I kind of 
really coach you through the fact that there is about a three-day period in which you will not really feel well, right? Like you're, you're really going to be detoxing. So I, I don't really have like a specific detox and I don't put my clients on any sort of like juicing or fasting or detoxing with, um, you know, green juices or anything like that. But I try to pull them back gently. My entire approach is about baby steps, right? Like if you're having three, three drinks a night, every night, could we do two this week? Could we, you know, move it in a realistic way and find it, find the perfect balance for you. You know that this isn't working, but could we pull it back and find out, you know what? I can have, I personally can have four glasses of wine and still lose weight in a week when I'm looking for weight loss. But if I go up to six, I'm in maintenance. And if I go over six, I start gaining weight. Mainly because I, if I have that much wine, I usually eat too much because I don't care, you know? So mm -hmm. it, it's, it's really, um, it's, uh, it, it's not, for me, the detoxing becomes another punishing extreme Yes. When people take out all solid food and detox. So I, I hope I'm answering the question. I you think are. it's more, um, yes. for me, it's more about not, it's about understanding that as you begin to reduce sugar, you won't feel great at all. You will be detoxing yes. uh, in a way. You have a really great detox system in your body um, and you detox pretty well if you sleep well. So yes. that's when we detox is when we're sleeping. We have a liver. It's supposed to be doing its job, right? We, we really have this really nice system that should be detoxing for us. So right. I don't think you have to jack that system up. I do think you have to pull back those processed foods, pull back that alcohol, pull right. back that sugar. So if you find that you can lose weight and, uh, and your body is better with four glasses of wine, then it's obviously better to buy larger glasses. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. A uh, question from Carmela Walker. Um, this is a question I'd like to know as well. Um, I'll, I'll read it verbatim. Uh, Liz, what is the damage, or what, if any, to the body from rapeseed oil or canola oil to the body's mucins? Is it semi-permanent, permanent, or is it nothing? You know, I would say I am not an expert at this, okay. on this question. I would say I probably would want to go and give you some research, Carmela, before I answered that, because this isn't, that would definitely be a little bit beyond my expertise, um, but I'd be happy to follow up on it and give you a better answer that I felt was like a little bit more backed up in science, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of it, canola oil is just the oil which I just avoid like the plague. Oh, it, absolutely, when, yeah, yeah. I don't have a fuel. What was created as a diesel fuel, and purportedly. Oh, absolutely, yes. Oh, this yeah. is so dangerous. Um, just a, a few other quick questions. Um, a lot of people drink a lot of water before meals to fill their stomach up. Is it? A good thing to do, a bad thing to do? Well, you know, I have a, a very strong opinion on hydration. Um, yeah. I think, guess what? About, they, they actually estimate it, Americans, they know, 75% of Americans are walking around critically dehydrated, critically. Oh. 
So talk about something that's bad for the system, Carmela. That would be really bad for the system, right? It's like uh, we are 63% water. Our brain and our heart are, you know, uh, 73, 78% water. You know, the major, 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 um, the element that makes us is water. So if you are critically dehydrated, you're, you're really basically not functioning um, at your optimal level. You're not metabolizing at your optimal level. So I ask people in my program to drink at least 100 ounces of water a day, which I think sounds crazy to people, but it's actually right in line with, with the, the guidelines by our government. Men are about 110 and women are 96. Yes. People just are like, that's crazy because when they at it, they're drinking maybe 25, if even. So I would be like, oh my gosh, yes. If you could drink a glass of water before each meal, number one, if you were dehydrated and you were mistaking hunger for thirst, you would really start to eat less, right? Um, it does fill you up. It does, again, do that little thing that we are really looking for, which is a pause before a meal too. It slows you down just enough to say like, oh, look at this. I'm sitting down. I'm having a meal. I'm not scarfing it down and really not even noticing what I'm eating. So um, I think it's a great habit. It would be a great habit for anybody to sit down and have a glass of water before a meal. Great. Now we're getting close to the end of the summer. I want to ask one other question, it's a, it's a burning one, I'm sure other people would like to hear the answer to this. And I'll let you close on the positive statement. So, yes. so let's go. Uh, the, my question is, is there any foods which are absolutely, absolutely um, evil? You must not eat them if you're on a diet. And as soon as you hear someone's you know, eat, consuming this type of food type, you sort of, yeah, your, your, your muscles tightened up and you, and you get very uh, emotional. Is there any, anything out there? Gosh, I'm trying to think. Isn't that funny? I feel like uh, probably, I think probably the most dangerous food out there is sugar, believe it or not. Like it really is dangerous. It is addictive. It is bad for us. It is the thing that I, I kind of like go crazy and say like, if people only realized, especially we had a huge push into a low fat, no fat craze in this country. And in order to stabilize those foods, they put a lot of sugar in there. Yeah. <laughs> people didn't realize that was what was going on and, yeah. and getting very addicted to sugar. And we were getting bigger and bigger and, and fatter and fatter. And, you know, everyone's fearing fat and staying away from this and, and eating all these low fat foods that had all the sugar in them. Um, yeah. I would say the, the thing that I really try to get people to focus on is, is sugar. That's why I have one, um, one dietary rule in my book, which is, you know, um, hundred grams of carbohydrates in a day, right? Trying to really stay at or around hundred grams of carbs. And that is because if I can get you focused there, what people don't know and, 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 and they get to know by looking at the carbohydrates is that sugar's on a nutrition label, sugar is listed under carbohydrates. So if your carbohydrate number is high, that means the sugar is high. 
in, in the food. So um, and it's sort of a, it's a biggie. Um, and uh, I mean, there's so many, you know, like, but I was trying to give you like one that if you could, in a general sense, the thing, if you could take this away, is really begin to look at the amount of sugar that you're having in a day and really start to, to look at that number on, on any sort of packaged foods that you're eating. Um, and uh, that would be my, my one thing for people to kind of really focus on. Right. Amazing. And the, the positive note to conclude our summer, is there any foods which are fantastic, like fire up their metabolism that they've got as many vitamins and minerals as your body can handle and yeah. i i'm a real fan of I, you know it's it's sort of boring but anything green and leafy is good for you it really is amazing for you so thinking about how can i get um you know i have an image in the book how can i get more vegetables in my life really and and avoiding fruit i mean this again going back to the sugar piece um we've had a lot of diets here that have made sugar fruits free right and you can eat as much fruit as you want in a day and what people don't realize is that fructose in a fruit is just sugar and your body doesn't differentiate between fructose and glucose and all of the other oses so really just kind of Thinking about limiting fruit, yes. I try to ask people one or two pieces a day maximum mm. and really focus in on those green leafy vegetables, um, especially the things like spinach, um, things that are high in magnesium. We are finding in this, you know, we're just getting a lot of um, illness around the lack of minerals that we need from these green leafy vegetables that 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 magnesium and potassium and things like that that are that are critical for us so yep it's boring 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 but <laughs> drop your sugars and up your green leafy vegetables good for you well it's good very good advice is there anything else you'd like to squeeze them before we pull the plug uh, no, I just, I really just want to, um, I think say that there's, um, there's so many resources out there nowadays. Um, mm -hmm. I love that you do this show and give people access to experts and, um, and, and, and if you can listen to as much as you can read as much as you can and, um, really just, uh, dig in and become interested uh, as, as interested as you would be for your own children or your own family for on yourself. I think we always take, we take, you know, everyone else we take care of, but we don't take care of ourselves. Yes. It is sad. How can people contact you, get more information? Yes. You so I uh, am Liz Josephsberg. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn and, uh, Pinterest and Instagram as Liz Josephsberg. Uh, my book, that's a big uh, poster of my book in the background is called Target 100. You can find me at target100program.com. That will give you all the information about the book and the program itself. Um, and uh, I would really love to hear from you if you guys were on the line tonight or if you're watching, um, it, you know, as, as, as this lives on, uh, it, and the recording lives on, I, I'd love to hear from you. And I just really, I love what I do and I love helping people. So please don't be shy to reach out. You know, when people lose weight and they are more comfortable in their own bodies, their, their health improves, their risks 
become reduced for the diabetes and the other serious conditions, you're, you're actually saving their lives. I wonder how many lives you have saved in your oh, life. I, I don't, I, it's just such a joy to do what I do. And I think that's it is watching people change and watching people's confidence grow and watching them become empowered. Um, you know, like, cause my, I always say like my, my perspective is I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to create a program that makes them beholden to me. I want to create these little baby birds that go out and they fly and they teach other people that they can do this yes. and that it doesn't have to be as hard. I, I, this would be another one of my taglines is it does not have to hurt. It does not have to be this awful thing. It can be moderate. It can be loving. It can be delicious. It can be all of these things. And um, if it's, if it's really painful and you're just, really just sad all the time. It doesn't have to be that way. I did so many years of that. And I swear you can lose weight and still enjoy what you eat and in, have delicious treats in moderation. It's about learning how to balance um, and learning to get away from all of these extremes. Liz, thank you so much for coming on to our show. You've, you've taught us that dieting does not need to be painful <laughs> and, and it's achievable. And yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. It was a treat to be here. Okay, you take care. Have a great evening. Thank you. Bye-bye.